Welcome back to the Effort Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, Gabe, MDV, and I talk about the CrossFit Games Open. Now, when I first got into CrossFit, there was no Open. After several years, the Open became an annual event where it then transitioned to regionals and games and maybe even Team USA. And over the years, I had amazing experiences at the Open, whether it was competing at them in our gym or perhaps even doing Open announcement. But here we are 10, 12 years later, and it's evolved for me. We discussed today what the Open is to me now, what it's going to be like in the future, and how we're approaching it at NC Fit. We also talk about the EOE 40 Challenge. For those of you who participated in it, it was a 40-day challenge with fitness, nutrition, mindset. It was great. I loved it. We talk about what we learned from it and what we're taking with that challenge into the future. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I love talking to Gabe and MDV. If you do, simple ask. Screenshot it. Leave us a rating leave us a review. Definitely helps us out. Let's us know what you're looking for so we could better this podcast. I hope you and your family are doing incredibly well. Let's keep training hard in the gym to go do cool stuff outside the gym. Let's get into a great episode. Let's go. The open starts today, actually. Um, the open is being announced in a couple hours. And I guess the first order of business is that, what do we think about the Open? What is it different from this year compared to years past? I know for me that in the beginning, when the Open was first coming around, it was something that I like had nausea. Like I, would, I wouldn't sleep at night worried about what the workout was going to be the next day. And in the beginning, 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 I would do that workout like as many times as I could before the, next, before the, the submission rules you know, expired. Then as time went on, I tried to focus on just doing it once because I would just be so like leaderboarding, refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. Instead, I got to the point where I couldn't focus on my overall training. So I just did it once, updated my score and moved on. Now I'm at a place in my life for the Open where, which by the way, for those who are unfamiliar, the Open is uh, an annual event for the CrossFit Games where it starts off this really wide net where they try and put out workouts online and then it transitions into quarterfinals, semifinals and finally the finals. So the, the Open has had a few iterations over the years. Back in 2007, seven eight there actually was no Open. The Open started to kick around, I think, if I'm not mistaken, 2011. Is that right, MDV? Yeah. And so prior to that, the uh, audience size for the CrossFit Games was conservative enough that you'd be able to go through like in-person events. Once it got so large, they switched to an online presence. And uh, it became like a huge focal point for our community for a lot of years. But this year, it's a little bit different for us. So... Let's dive into what we're thinking about for the open. And then, and then I have a really cool subject that I think we should talk about, which is garage gym gear. And for those who are either doing the open or utilizing the NC fit app, what to look for when purchasing equipment for a gym or garage gym, because I think there's a lot of nice to haves and there's a lot of must have. So where should we start guys? I think we start with the open and, um, you know, Jason, I, I, I can definitely sympathize with a lot of the same feelings that you had when the open refresh, came around. Refresh. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I certainly wasn't at the level that you were at. And I understand that it was a huge, a hugely important event for you because it, it was a qualifying event and you were competing against people who were your peers and wanted to be best in the world. And I think that's, that's really cool to be able to look back on that and have that time in your life when, when that was a focus for you. And, um, uh, I, my, my opinions and, perspective has shifted on the open as well over the years. I think I did the first seven or eight opens where I signed up and participated and 
uh, it was really a big event for us at CrossFit New England when we first were, um, you know, getting out there and competing as a team. And then over at Reebok CrossFit One, it was a big event for the community over there, obviously, for a lot of reasons, the Reebok CrossFit partnership, the different people who we had in the gym. And then, you know, as I got a little bit further on in my CrossFit career and my opinions and views started to change a little bit, I, I started caring a little less about my performance in the open and looked at it more as just a purely community driven event and having fun with it. And, you know, where I'm at right now is um, I haven't signed up for the open in the, in the past four years or so. Um, I've done a handful of the workouts. You and I have done a handful of the workouts together, just throwing down, having fun. And um, I don't know whether or not I'm going to do any of the workouts this year. I'm certainly not signing up. I probably won't ever sign up ever again. But within our NC MatCon program, you know, we are accommodating that program to have the open workout in it. So you have a prep day on Thursday. The open workout gets announced tonight. We'll see it tomorrow on Friday, you know, in our gyms and on our app. And um, I think we have a really nice approach to where we're at with the open, which is if people want to sign up and they want to do it and they want to participate, they can. But we're not going to encourage or discourage people. And hopefully, this is my number one request, hopefully the workouts over the next three weeks, which I love the three-week format. I wasn't a fan of the five. I hope the workouts over the next three weeks are fun for the athletes, number one, exciting. And number two, I hope that these knuckleheads figure out that you got to run two heats in a 60-minute time period for nearly 100% of the people out there running the open within their gyms and not have something that throws a humongous curveball or extreme amounts of logistics. And they're just simple, straightforward, two heat style workouts. But I have a lot more thoughts. I'll turn it over to Gabe and then we'll go from there. Well, it's funny because, you know, obviously I was never anywhere near the competitive level that, that you were, Jason. But I also remember, like, you wouldn't even sleep. Well, I, I, like, you couldn't get a good night's sleep Wednesday night. And like all of Thursday, it was like, is it 8 p.m.? Is it 8 p.m.? And we've talked about this a little before. And for me, you know, performance at the gym was just so closely tied to like my identity and like my group of friends at CrossFit Garden City where I started. Like there was just so much cachet behind being like, at the time, CrossFit Garden City was always kind of on the bubble of sending a team to regionals. And so there was so much like status and ego behind like being one of the ones that would be on that team or at the very least contribute a score or two on how they pick the teams that ended up going. Because I've always been an athlete that, you know, I'm, I'm very good at some things, but I'm not the biggest guy. I can't move a barbell. So there are just some workouts that I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to be able to hold my own. So for me, the goal was to, you know, ideally be on the team if we ended up going to regionals or at the very least, you know, have two or three weeks where it was like, you know, it was my score that kind of helped the, the, the gym get there. And that was enough for me to like have so much anxiety. And I remember it, man. We used to do the workout on Friday, on Sunday, and sometimes you even had to do it on Monday. Yeah, on Monday. Out one more rep. And man, it's just, it's, I, I wouldn't say that I regret any of it or that it's, you know, silly looking back on it. Cause that's just, you know, it was, it was what my life kind of revolved around then. And it was so much fun. And I still have so many friendships with the people that we bonded over training for this event and then doing the event and then you know like you know going to regionals which we went one year so but yeah i mean it's it's completely different now right and i think a big part of that was moving to california moving away from that gym also just the the when the format changed and there wasn't any more like when they combined the regions 
um, at least the gym that I went to, TJ's gym in California, like we just, we, we, we weren't good enough anymore after I went to regionals in 17. So it kind of naturally became less and less of an important part of my training and, and my life. And now I'm kind of in the same boat as, as MDV, you know, like I'm looking forward to the workouts. I hope that there's one that I can, you know, do and have fun doing and, and kind of just, you know, for a little bit of nostalgia, like, you know, fire up the group text with all my friends back from Long Island and throw a score and talk some shit. So I'm looking forward to that, but yeah, it's, I'm, I'm definitely past the point where, you know, these next three weeks are like a, a huge, uh, weight on my shoulders or in some way, shape or form are supposed to like represent my value as an athlete or how much I've trained or not trained in the past year. Mm. It's a good, it's going to be a good time. I mean, now that we're talking about, you know, it's funny, I was reluctant to talk about the open just because, um, it, you know, I, I have a lot of like, uh, I don't want to call it skeletons. That's not the right term, but I have a lot of like really fond memories of the open and I have a lot of really difficult memories of the open. Um, but each one of those experiences has definitely shaped what I, what I'm doing now. So like, I remember doing open announcements. Those were the most nerve wracking out of anything I've ever done. The open announcement one-on-one -on -one or in a small group was the most nervous I've ever been more so than regionals, more soon than the games or team USA. It's because it's, but two did you do two or three of them you did one against froning i did one-on-one -on -one, and then you did the kind of like legends uh four or five people right there was the mixed bag of males and females i did one by myself with chris clever that was the first one ever in 2011 at wow. the tennis stadium that was just that was the most um interesting one that was the first one then i did one uh one-on-one -on -one against rich froning uh and then I did one with the team of champions. And I think I did, I might've done one more. I can't mm. remember, but um, yeah, each one of those was very nerve wracking. Like, uh, because it's, there's just a lot of attention and you don't know what the workout is, right? So you find out the workout right when everybody else does. And so you can't prepare for it. Nothing. You just, you just find out the workout and you get after it. So I am curious what they're going to do. You know, I know Noah and Saxon are going tonight, today. I don't know. Um, by the time this, this episode airs, um, the open will already be one week in, but, uh, they're probably pretty anxious about it, but learning how to calm those nerves was something that was really helpful for me later on in life. So I'm grateful for the open and what it gave me. I'm also grateful for being able to, to watch the events. And then you watch the athletes and you look at their times, they set the benchmark and then boom, the next day you go in and hit it and upload your score. So I, um, yeah, I have a love hate relationship with the open because it taught me a lot, but at the same time, I would be like nauseous for five weeks. <laughs> Do you guys think that there's going to be, I, I'm curious if like the workouts come out and there's like, you know, a dud or like, you know, how are you supposed to run this through class? I wonder if the community is going to jump to blaming it on Castro no longer being involved in the workouts. 100%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 100%. If the workouts come out. They're like, wait, they're story, waiting for it. Yeah. If there's any sort of like. Even if they are great, they're still going to yeah. come out. <laughs> well, I mean, if they're great, I think there'll probably be speculation about like, oh, these were probably days workouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. right. They used them. But yeah, if there's anything that comes <laughs> up that's like a bit of a headache or a nightmare or there's like a head scratcher movement, there's going to be some comment threads for sure. Yeah. I don't know what to expect. You know, the one year that, uh, that Froney and I sticks out in my mind is, is one open year is, or the type of open workouts I thought were interesting is when you 
you like got additional time once you hit a certain number. And so like the reason why it was, it was kind of tough for class settings sometimes because some of your athletes would only work for like three minutes, but it also led to like this gamification, which is see, could you unlock the next, the next, uh, you know, the next level. Uh, so we'll see what they come up with tonight, but yeah, the, the, the open, I think definitely serves its purpose. I think for those people that are in the sport of fitness, it's exciting. If you're not, and you're just going to go hit it as a workout, go for it. If you don't even know what it is, you don't care about it. Awesome. That's fine too. Um, but if I'm in the gym and, and someone wants to throw down on the open workout, I'll probably end up getting suckered in and doing it. I'm sure. One of the interesting aspects of this discussion, I think, is like, you know, we all look back very fondly on the earlier days of the Open. You know, when it first came out, I think that there was extreme excitement about it, but the numbers were small. But the CrossFit overall numbers in 2011 were, were modest. They weren't humongous at that point. You know, the Reebok CrossFit Partnership, I think, had just been signed maybe like a year earlier at, or at that year. And then it grew. The, the Open became this really fantastic community worldwide event where the, it was almost astronomical growth for the open. And it's funny, we were talking about something else earlier this morning where it's like, you can't really expect that to continue forever. But Gabe also brought up the fact that there were some decisions that were made that were really quite interesting in terms of how it actually impacted the open and the registration numbers behind it and like the whole community involvement. Because once they got rid of regional format or they combined the regions or they kept shifting things around and it made it harder for um, smaller affiliates to qualify people and teams. And then they got rid of regionals altogether. I really do think it's inarguable and the numbers reflect it that the open went through a, a slump and that the excitement around this event is lower than experience in the past. I don't know in relation to how much lower, but there's not as much buzz. You don't see as much stuff on social media about it. You don't see as many athletes talking about it. Um, and I don't know what the registration numbers are going to look like. But, but is that because you're a byproduct of like what you're seeing now? Like, do you think that if you were in the competitive landscape, you would be saying a different tune? I, I, I always think about that sometimes, right? Because is your perception reality where you don't think there's as much momentum because maybe you're not hypothetically as inclined to be doing, you're not following all these athletes that are going to be participating in it. Or do you actually think objectively like, Hey, I don't feel like there's as much buzz. Well, it's probably a mix of both, but I definitely think there's a objective facts that if you looked at the registrations for the open and you look at how the formats have changed over the years, the registration numbers are, they reached a pinnacle at some point, like 2013, 14 ish ish, and then plummeted down, started coming down fast. And I do think that had a lot to do with how the format of the open changed or what it meant for people within small fitness communities. Because like Gabe was saying, at some point back in the earlier days, you had people who would never, ever dream of competing, but their score mattered in the workout for the entire gym. And it was much more meaningful for everybody because this one person was like a crazy specialist in burpees or whatever. And that one person had the light shined on them for seven whole minutes while everybody was like, go, 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 go. And then it changed to being essentially a qualifying mechanism just for the hyper elite, the hyper, hyper elite, which is so strange because you always got the fittest people no matter what. They changed the format so many times, but the fittest people always ended up winning. So I think they might have shot themselves in the foot a little bit, just my opinion. Yeah, and I, I remember – 
you know, another transition that was happening right around the time when I was like so into this stuff that was a bummer, at least in, in, in the position that we were in at our gym was when they started to not enforce the actual rules of the affiliate cup. Cause that was happening right when we were on the bubble of being able to oh, qualify you train together. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember there was a team in Queens that was part of our region where we were like, like, like like dynamics. Oh, the dynamics. dynamics Of course. Cause you were like, (laughs) you were like, I know these guys. Like I know that he is a coach and owns the gym on Long Island, but he's on this team in Queens. Like there's no way he's making the commute out there to train. And, you know, I get that they shifted in that direction eventually completely, just because they wanted to have, you know, these super teams out at, at, at regionals and the games. But for me, what was a huge draw, and to your point, for a lot of people, was the fact that the Affiliate Cup used to be the Affiliate Cup, right? Like, it used to be like, is CrossFit Garden City fitter than CrossFit 516 based on the people that have gone there and taken class there and trained there? And I thought that was a really cool aspect of the Open. That's what got me super like, you know, bought in and so fired up for this event. And again, like I'm looking at it on a very biased perspective, but I can definitely like, I wouldn't be surprised if that change made it to the point where, you know, a lot of people were like, Hey, this isn't that big a deal anymore because MBB to your point, I remember it wasn't just the people that could compete on the team or put a score for the team that that got them super fired up. Like we would have Friday night lights and the entire gym would come out to cheer for those people because it was a big deal. It was a badge of honor of, can we send our gym to regionals? And I remember when we went, cause I was the alternate the last year that it was at Reebok HQ, big deal for me. So I'm going to put that out. Um, <laughs> alternate. Yes. I love that. Oh man, we had hashtag here the alternates. Oh, dude, it was huge. It was so much fun because I got to like train with them and I got like the t-shirt that they wore on the floor. It was a real big deal for me. But I remember when we went, like we had so many people from our gym also come out. Like that was a big yeah. event for them to go to because you know it was their coaches. They were out there on the floor. There was such a pride in that. Dude, I remember like for us, uh, you know, when, like talking about the open is really interesting because like in the beginning, we'd get hundreds and hundreds of athletes at our gyms. Pretty much everybody would sign up for the open in one way, shape or form. And when regionals were kind of like more centrally located, man, we'd mob out there with so many people all wearing the same shirts. The energy was exciting. I actually, I was at the gym yesterday and someone came up to me and said, Hey man, I'm, I'm getting all these time hop, like the time hop, like pictures from the open and, and whatnot. It, and I think that when we reminisce on these times, you know, sometimes you could feel like, oh man, that was, but like, that's the way life goes, like ebbs and flows. And at the time, like those were beautiful moments. And like looking back on it, we celebrate those. And now we have other beautiful, amazing moments that, that transition outside uh, the gym, maybe more. But I think for the gym perspective, I remember one stands out to me. It's like, do I remember watching Dan Bailey and Rich Froning throw down on like this clean and jerk or a, a snatch workout? Do you guys remember this one? Like they were at like Tennessee Tech. I just, I don't know that for some reason, that one in particular stands out to me. I don't know if you guys have an open announcement that stands out to you, but I knew that we would always expect Dave, love him or hate him. You'd always expect some type of theatrics from him. I remember one time he did an announcement like in France and he's like drinking wine. Like, do you know, oh, I, yeah. I don't know which one stands he's out to you guys. like but... a multi-thousand dollar suit or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like an Armani suit. <laughs> oh, he's a character, man. man. He's a character. Definitely played the role uh of the of the i kind of the villain he you have yeah. to say he kind of played the role of the villain he enjoyed it um, yeah 
you know, one of the things that I, I posted about yesterday on social media was um, just reminding people who might be participating in the Open who don't have aspirations of going to the CrossFit Games. You know, people who are just the everyday gym goer who sign on up that I think it's important and you can do whatever you want. This is just my opinion, but you can, you can handle it however you want, but it is important to have some perspective on this thing that yes, you can have some nervous energy going into it. You can be excited. You can care about your performance, but ultimately like it's just another workout. And one of the things that I think the downsides of the open that I saw over the years, and then, you know, even some of my own, my own anxiety about the open was that I agonized over it too much, or I would be so wrapped up about the score or like, I could have done better if type of conversation and like worrying about like, Oh, this person did better, but they had this kind of setup. I don't necessarily think those types of conversations or mindsets are super productive, especially for like the average gym goer. And, you know, I had a couple of people comment and they say, Oh, it was demeaning that I posted this thing that they care about their score and that you shouldn't judge me because I care. I'm not saying don't care. I'm just saying, realize that you have to have some perspective on this. You're still going into the gym to have a positive, fun experience. Don't have a negative experience about the open. Don't go home and agonize over the score. Like think about, I was so bad today, or I can't believe this didn't go my way. That's the one aspect of it that I wish would be a little bit more just widely accepted. I mean, if you want to play devil's advocate on that, you know, I'd say that there's benefit in, in caring that much about it. Meaning like there's some people that go through and they don't care about anything enough to be that anxious or nervous. And like, I I'm just kind of pulling that thread, right? Like I agree with you, like we're doing this for fitness and we shouldn't let it impact our, like, let's just say, don't put up the score that you want. You're then in a terrible mood until two days later and you redo it. That's probably not the right attitude. However, if you've been working really hard for the open and you've been training for this, and you've been inspiring yourself and you're saying, Hey, this is my goal. And you care that much about it. There's also something beautiful in that, that you, you care enough to work hard for a specific goal and learning how to overcome that adversity and that challenge, I think has benefits to it too, within reason. Um, you know, coming from my perspective, like, you know, I, I would, you know, stress about the open. I would want to perform well or regionals or games or any of that stuff. And in hindsight, I, I think I'd probably want to do it again the same way because it allowed me to learn how to overcome those nerves and those like, like if you are in a piss poor mood because you didn't put up a hundred percent score or whatever it was learning how that that's okay. And you got to move on and do it again. Or, or you, you know what I mean? Like learning to how to overcome failure, I think is also important. For so sure. it's a double-edged sword. And I get what you're saying, by the I way. I don't disagree with you with yeah. what you just said, by the way. And I yeah. think that you can care about your score and you can even care about redoing the workout without getting so wrapped up in it that it ruins your your week or it ruins your perspective on the workout or you start to have um, negative feelings towards other athletes who who beat you in the yeah, workout yeah. Yeah. that's that's too far for me and that's the point yeah, and yeah. I think and I think there's also the practicality of it right like I think about it in terms of hey if the open matters significantly for you which if it does great and you have, a crummy performance for whatever reason, week one, like the practical way to approach that is, hey, what could you have done better? What's the lesson learned? Short memory, and then don't let it drag on because that's going to impact your performance week two or week three. And if the open like kind of matters and 
you're working out for health and longevity, same thing, right? Like you crushing yourself because of your performance is just not practical for, you know, if you take a step back and look at like, hey, why am I going to this gym? Why am I doing this stuff? Why am I competing? Um, I think it's just, you know, to MDB's point, having an approach where it has this negative impact and not looking at it as just another workout um, just isn't practical, regardless of what your goal is. This is a, a really interesting conversation that I think we can get into, at, whether or not today or at some point in the future, where the scores on workouts and how people perceive their results about whether or not, you know, did I do well on this workout in relation to the score? Does that really at all matter? You know, for most people, for the average person who goes to the gym three or four times a week, for the person who's got you know, friends and family and stuff outside of the gym. They're not a professional athlete. They're not trying to go to the games. Yeah, they care about how they look, how they feel. And of course, they want to do well in, in the gym. But like, how much do these scores on these workouts ultimately actually matter? And, you know, I, my perception on this has changed drastically, drastically over time. And, you know, one of the best examples that, you, Jason, you and I were talking about one day was like, even if you were talking about elite performance on the Fran workout, which is 21, 15, nine thrusters and pull-ups. If that person goes sub three minutes and they're moving sloppily, fast, sloppily, but like not completely out of control, or they go four minutes and they move with ultimate control, they move really well throughout everything. They hit the range of motions very clear. They're feeling the barbell. Yeah, the person who got sub three minutes got the better score, but who got the better workout? And what's the trade-off between the metabolic effect on the body? Like, is there any real difference there between the four minute and the three minute performance? Maybe you could argue mentally between the ears, you know, this person pushed themselves harder than they could ever go. The intensity was higher. They got bigger impact out of it. That's that part of it. I think you could definitely have a discussion about, but ultimately like, dude, doing the movements well and feeling the weight and actually hitting all the range of motion, the standards, the points of performance, shouldn't that matter so much more? I don't know. I think about these things a lot. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a blend, right? I, I actually think that for most people, most of the time, go in there and have a great workout. And then every now and then, I do think it, your score matters. And I, I say that only because in between the ears, right? We talked about this conversation about redlining. The benefit to redlining is that like Gabe being smothered, uh, you know, at jiu-jitsu, is that you need to learn how to overcome that that challenge of I mean getting getting your face smothered and redlining a workout are are kind of two different things. But let's just assume for the sake of argument, Gabe is getting pinned in a side control on the ground and he can't get out. He's trying to fight. Whereas if you're in the middle of a really tough workout and you're grinding on assault bike intervals and you got to mentally get yourself out of that position or push through or whatever it is, I do think that there's something that that happens there that carries over into real life really well but I don't think you need to do it all the time. And I think that's what I found the balance for me. You know, like for example, I hit our, I go into our gyms almost every day and I do our workouts and I hit them hard, uh, mainly because I have like this weird tw twitch where I kind of feel like if, a, I don't know, it's a creature of habit, but I can only show up to this jujitsu gym once a week. That's the only time I could, I could wrangle enough like internal energy to know that I'm going into the belly of the beast and it's going to take me to the red line. I, I, I get close other days, but only once a week I red line. And so I'm wondering for other people if they could do that, where for the most part, they're kind of balancing. And then once a week, they get in that that additional like scored component, like we're talking about with the open, and they get a lot of lessons learned in between the ears there. I think that's what's going to happen. I think the open 
is more of a mental benefit than physical because people are learning how to throttle, especially in front of their peers. And they need to learn how to then they're, they're finding ways to push themselves. They never thought possible, which I think is a big win for them. I think one way to look at it too, is almost people getting like diminishing returns on being super focused on their scores. Like I think that for someone that's getting started, you know, it says a lot more to go from an eight minute Fran with, you know, a little bit less than the prescribed weight to a six minute Fran with the prescribed weight. Like that's great progress. That's a good win to celebrate, keep you going, keep you motivated. But the diminishing return is once you get to a certain point, continuing with the Fran example, like once you're at a sub five minute, even Fran as prescribed, you know, if you're breaking, you know, if you're getting 30 seconds faster, but now your knee hurts all the time, or now you're, you know, beat up outside the gym, then, you know, you have to start looking at some of the outside factors and not just so focused on like the seconds that you can cut off this time. Um, so I think that's, that, that could be one way to look at it for athletes. I think it matters a lot more in the beginning and a lot less once you get to the point where, you know, you're just trying to feel good and you become proficient at some of these things. I think it's a good discussion. I, and I agree with you, Gabe. Um, I have a question for you guys and I'm interested in your point of view on it. You know, I know back in the day, and I'm not sure what you guys did at NorCal CrossFit at the time or, uh, you know, the very, very early days at NC Fit, but at CrossFit New England and at Reebok CrossFit One, we would very, very, very highly encourage, almost to the point of like persuading people and forcing them sometimes to, to sign up for the open. I'm interested, where do you guys think the line is for, let's say a gym is running the open and you have a member who's like, not really interested in doing it, not interested in signing up for whatever reason, doesn't matter. Do you think that coaches or gym owners should forcefully motivate people to do these types of things? Where's the line? It's an interesting question, man, because it's, I don't know, it's, it's not super black and white. Cause I think that the way that I look at it is, you know, our job as coaches gym owners is to push people a little bit outside their comfort zone. Keyword being a little bit in the workouts, with the weights they do in the version of the workout with adjustments. And I think the open is an example of that. Like if someone signing up for the open and having those, you know, increased jitters in the workout is just outside their comfort zone. I think that that's a good opportunity for growth for them. But if for some people it's way outside their comfort zone, I think that pushing them a little bit too much isn't beneficial and you actually might push them away because I do see the benefits of, you know, putting someone in a position where, you know, maybe they have to try a move that they're like super on the cusp of getting and they get it and there's that win and it kind of solidifies the hard work that they've been doing for a specific skill. Like that stuff is very real, but I think that it takes the gym or a coach acknowledging whether this can actually be something that falls within that, like just outside their comfort zone to really push and get them to do something that you know is ultimately going to benefit them or give them, you know, a win that, you know, they can build off of. But I think at the same time, you have to recognize that for some people it's too much and it, there's no black and white, like, Hey, I think you should get everyone to sign up for this thing. Or I think, you know, it should be up to them and them only because it is our job to push people. You know, going back into like, kind of like, this is like a theoretical why, like the why behind everything. So why the, the why for the gym owner to encourage people to sign up the why for the athlete to do the open and 
if the gym owner's why, like the, 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 the deep rooted heart is that they want to improve their members' lives and they want to, they want to enhance them. And they actually think that this is going to really do that like hundred percent, then I think they should encourage it. But if they really deeply reflect on the why they're encouraging it because they want to be able to boast their friends, they had 200 people sign up for the open. If they want to be able to, um, if it has anything other than to do with it's actually for that athlete, the best thing for them and enhance their overall fitness, then I think that it's probably misguided, right? Um, because at times I remember back in NorCal CrossFit days, we wouldn't encourage that hard because the community would just rally around it so, so much because all the coaches were doing it. But we would obviously say, hey, make sure to sign up for the open, make sure to sign up for the open and letting people know. But we would never like take people aside, be like, hey, you have to, um, because it just wasn't the right move. If people wanted to sign up, they could. If they didn't, they didn't have to. But I think when a coach starts to look at the numbers and how they want to every year have an increased amount of people participating, that was happening to us for a short period of time. And we had to stop looking at that because it's not our job to force people into those things. They should be able to make that decision for themselves. So I think each owner needs to reflect on their why. And then each athlete needs to reflect, like, hey, what is the reason for me signing up? And if it's a good one, go for it. If it's not, then don't, you know? But uh, I think taking the ego out of it and uh, looking at like like from a is is important. I kind of think that there might be a clearer line than at least in my opinion now where I stand in terms of like my thoughts on participating in things or having people do something that you know they they are going to participate in and I'm asking them to do it. If I'm saying, "Hey, Jason, I think it'd be really great if you signed up for the open and you were like, "No, thank you." I'm not really interested in doing it. It'd be like, are you sure? Because it's going to be a super fun community event. We're all going to have a good time. We're going to meet here. We're going to do the workout together. And you go, nah, I'm just not feeling. That's the fucking line for me. Like, that's it. And I think that if I were in, and I'm kind of in the position now at jujitsu where like, you know, people are starting to talk about competing and I'm just not in the mindset of going out and doing it. And you've, you've done this to me a couple of times, Mr. Big Guy over here. Where it's just like, hey, we should do this thing. And I'm like, nah, not really for me. No, thank you. And you're like, oh, it would be really good for like, you know, getting outside of your comfort zone. I go, no, thank you. Not interested in doing it. Yeah, that, no, I stopped. I no, stopped. No, no, I know. I'm just saying, but that's the line. That's like, as an adult, I just think that if somebody tells you they don't want to do something twice after one good hearted, intensive way of saying, hey, listen, like it will be cool. It's going to be fun. And they still are like, no. I don't think there's any other follow-up after that that's necessary to be like, hey, are you sure that you don't want to sign up for the open? No, the person said they don't fucking want to do it. Like, that's the line for me. And yeah. back in the day, I didn't respect that. I, I'm honest about it. I didn't respect it back in the day. We would push people to like the limit sometimes. And sometimes it ended up being like, yeah, this is awesome. They got involved and they had a better time than they would have. But there were also some people who were probably pissed to be like, dude, I don't want to do this. Yeah, Why I don't want to feel do pressure it? to do it. And then also it's there is a financial investment. Let's not forget about that. I'm not saying it's a big one, but even 10, 20 bucks is still 10, 20 bucks. Um, but hey, at least to to highlight what you said, I say, hey, dude, you should do a competition. You're like, no. I say, it'd be really fun. You say no. And I I'm pretty sure I left it at that. I I'm I'm 99% sure. So that's I, the line. I, You're good. You're right on the I, line. I I hit the line. <laughs> the line was approached and I moved on. Because you could always, you could also tell, right? If um, if someone's not really interested, I mean, this goes obviously bigger than the open, or, or this is like co or coaching feedback too. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, coaching feedback too. Like, like you know, I was at the gym yesterday, and there's 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 this one guy in particular, and um, he always goes light, always. 
and I've seen him for years. Like he always goes lighter than he can. And, um, dude, I say to him, Hey bro, I, I know you could do a little bit more. Like, can we throw on a couple more pounds? He's like, okay. I was like, Hey man, I think we do a little bit more. He's like, no, I'm good. Like, you sure? Like, I'm good. Like, all right, then I'm good. You know? And, 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 uh, the old me would have just gone and taken 10 pound plates and put them on there because I knew that he'd be fine. But, you know, I think meeting someone where they're at, right. If you ask them, they say, hey, I'm good. And then you ask them again, like, Hey man, I'm really good. Be like, Hey man, then you're good. I'll see you tomorrow. You know, that's anyways, the double, the double ask and then move on. That's a good rule. Strike one, strike two. Don't strike out though. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> that's a real, I mean, it's a really good thing for coaches to understand about giving athletes feedback in class, especially with efficiency related corrections. Safety related stuff is a whole nother ball game. We've talked about this before. You know, someone's going to get hurt. You have to intervene. If they go, no, I still want to do this. You have to say, no, no, you're going to hurt yourself because that's your responsibility as the coach is to keep this athlete safe. And if you honestly think that they're going to put themselves in a position where they're going to hurt themselves, you have to lower the load, lower the intensity, lower the volume, change the workout, change the movement, whatever. But if you're talking about somebody who's like not fully extending their hip or like they're bending their arms early on their clean or whatever. And you're like, Oh, like just like if you open up your hip a little bit more after like one or two times, if the person's not getting the feedback, you can walk away for a little bit. You don't have to like hammer this person over and over and over again, or give them, you know, more cues or take the weight down or whatever. It's like, leave them alone for a minute and maybe right. it will correct itself. So I have, I have a question then. I have a hypothetical, and I'm, I'm curious what your stance is here. So safety-wise, load is perfectly okay. But you have an athlete that, like, you know that if they go to 25, they're going to take 30 minutes for this 20-minute workout. And you're like once, like, hey, I really think this is a little bit too heavy. I think you should go lighter. No, I think I can do this. Again, like, I really think this is too heavy. We got to do this in 20 minutes. No, I, I'm going to do this. Do you just let them? Depends. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes it's the best thing to do if they're not going to get hurt. No chance that they're going to hurt themselves. It's just going to be slow. And they are ardently focused on, I want to do 225 today. Cool. Let's see what happens. Usually what happens, it self-corrects itself. Usually yeah. they will fight against the barbell the entire time and not finish a tenth of the workout that they could have finished if they had lowered the weight and probably gone with a more appropriate weight. Or they look at themselves two minutes into the workout and go, I fucked up. I've got to lower this weight down. There was a point in my career back in the day where I told people, "Where hey, that's fine. You want to go 225 today? My one rule is can't take the weight off the bar. I would not do that anymore today. I would say, sure, try the workout, see what happens. We'll go from there. I think it will self-correct itself pretty quickly. But back in the day, I would have them keep the weight on the entire workout. Wouldn't do that right now. Mm. What about yeah. you, Jason? Yeah, it's the same. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, you mature, right? You grow, you evolve, whether it's a coach or an athlete, and you just find what's important to you. And if it, if that was important to them, like going back to this whole idea of like the why, right? If you say, hey, what, why do you want to do that? Like, hey, I've been focusing on this for six months. I wasn't able to do that before. Now I want to see if I could do it 20 times. Be like, dude, fuck yeah, let's roll, you know? But if they're just like, oh, I just want to try and go RX. It's like, well, you know, let's talk deeper about what is actually prescribed this workout and the goal we're trying to have. 
and um, go from there. So, yeah, I just think evolution of a coach and an athlete, you know, especially for those athletes that are listening that are either doing the open or, or in their garage training by themselves, you know, like kind of really honing in on like, what is the reason for their training? And is this in alignment with it for each decision? You know, if you're going out there and you're trying to lift 400 pounds on a reoccurring basis, um, you know, maybe that's not the best tool, right? Maybe drop the weight down, reinforce mechanics, and then build up from there. You know, it's just different strokes for different folks on a different day. That's it. I do think, Gabe, back to your question, though, one of the most important things is that the coach has to have a high level of awareness about all the things that are going on in the room pre-workout, right? And if they do not see that person with the 225 on their bar, and they do not go over and at least have the initial conversation, and then the athlete gets into it and they're like, oh, fuck, I got to strip this weight down and it's too heavy for me. I think the coach at that point should have recognized it earlier. But if you're aware and you set the expectation and three, two, one, go happens. And then that person decides that, Hey, I've got to change the weight. That to me is the athlete's decision and the prerogative of the athlete. But one of the failures of a coach, when I look at a class, if it's like pre-workout time and they're like walking around and they're picking out the music and they're sticking their thumb up their ass. And then everybody's getting their weights on their bar. And then all of a sudden three, two, one, go hits. And 30 seconds in the workout, everybody's on their fucking clips, taking the weight off the bar because it's too heavy for them. That's a failure on the coach more than a failure on the athlete. 100% in my opinion. Dude. So I, uh, so I, I we've been going on the open conversation for quite a while. We're probably not going to get to the garage gym equipment. Um, but I am curious, uh, because UE 40 ended, uh, the next morning I ate a cookie and EOE, oh, look at, look at, look at MDV. He's holding up post-its, EOE 40 post-mortem. I wanted to make sure that we at least discussed it. Yeah, there you go. And so, dude, I, uh, you know, I ate clean. I mean, like fruit and meat for 40 days. And the next morning I went (laughs) and I was like, you know what? I'm going to eat one of these cookies. And I ate a cookie. And man, the sugar spike that I felt was like next level. I was like, dude, I was running and gun i was burning and then all of a sudden i just smashed i just crashed but uh you know it definitely opened my eyes to how i feel when i'm eating just meat even at a restaurant right and i'm eating that way i don't feel like overly like disgustingly full but when you start to incorporate rices and noodles and pizzas and pastas which i definitely did for a couple of days you you really felt like overly full and like disgusting and i'm starting to realize that you know I, I'm going to revert back to probably like most days of the week, I'm going to be eating meat and fruit. And then on the weekends, I might let myself go ahead and, you know, have some variability. But um, after feeling how good I felt eating the way I was for so long, it was difficult for me to go eat this other way, feel like garbage, and then, and then want to continue to do it. So that in itself was a really big learning lesson for me, but damn, did I enjoy some good desserts over the next couple of days. (laughs) I'm, I'm not changing much, man. I mean, I, I, I don't think I'm changing anything, to be honest. I mean, I'm not going to be as like strict because my whole no snacking, only three big meals, like I held super firm to that into, you know, even while I was cooking, I wasn't like, you know, throwing a little bit, you know, in my mouth as I like chopped up veggies or fruits or had some grapes out and stuff. I was like, it was what I could eat when I sat down to eat. And that's pretty much it. Um, so I probably won't be that crazy about it, but definitely not going back to snacking, feel really good. And it's interesting for me because I have tried everything. I've tried going hundred percent vegan. I've tried 
carnivore. I've tried keto. I've tried all sorts of intermittent fasting. And it's really interesting that you kind of come full circle. And I've learned something in all of those experiences. And I would say that right now, feeling really good. I got some awesome results because I, I, I wasn't feeling my best coming off the holidays and the end of the year, which I think is super natural for a lot of people. I shared my before and after picture. And it was honestly surprising how well it went, given the fact that you know, this was this wasn't a time where I was like, hey, I'm not having bread or I'm not having cheese or I'm not going to have barbecue. Like, I think we had Texas barbecue two times in the um, like spread of the challenge. And I had what I would usually have. It was just one of my meals and I made sure to get a lot of green beans. And I like fulfilled my like balanced meal by having a vegetable and a fruit. And it's just interesting that being somewhere where it truly is moderation for me. And I know the things that I, I don't need to eat and I don't eat those, but there's nothing that I enjoy that I'm really cutting out and I feel good and saw good results was like a cool, like full circle experience for me, having tried some very restrictive diets in the past. Just one thing coming back to Jason's point, and just to make it clear for everybody out there, <clears throat> you can eat a very, very nutritious, healthful, well-rounded diet including grains, rices, pastas, breads, and those types of things. I think that foods impact different people differently. And especially after going a very long period of time without having certain things, when you reintroduce it, you might amplify that sensitivity to it. But you could eat a very whole unprocessed diet by having starches, potatoes, grains, rices, all those types of things included, and balance them out with proteins and fats. And how everybody interacts with those three macronutrients is a little bit different. Some people work better on a high-protein, high-fat, low-carb diet. Other people work better on a high-carbohydrate, moderate-protein, low-fat diet. Some people just set their protein number and then adjust the carbs and fats based on how they feel and how they want to perform or whatever their goals are. So, um, you know, I know that Jason wasn't saying that, hey, like you have to cut out all the carbs in your life to, to optimize your, your nutrition. Um, but you know, you might experiment with these types of different things. I think one of the things I look up to Gabe the most is that when he hits these different challenges in his life, he's always just experimenting and constantly tweaking and thinking about what is going to make him feel the best, perform the best, and look the best. So that's really, really cool. For me, EOE40, I love doing it with you guys. My biggest takeaway was that the sink at the end of the night, man, there were a couple of nights I fell asleep on the couch just watching TV. I just passed out, and I would look at the sink, and I would go, oh. Fuck. I can't believe that instead of just walking to the bedroom and brush my teeth and going to bed, that I actually have to do this right now. And not going to lie, there were a couple of nights when I was like, I just want to soak the pan and go to bed. But that was a really cool wrinkle in this challenge for me was realizing that, yeah, sometimes you just got to do the thing that you don't want to do because you have to do it. And now 40 days has passed and I'm going to continue on with making sure that the sink is clean before I go to bed every night. Dude, 40 days, actually, I know this sounds weird, but it actually went by pretty fast. When I looked back on it, I was like, wow, we've been doing this for 40 days? Because Ashley did pretty strict keto for 40 days. And uh, when we were talking, I was like, wow, that's, that's, it goes by faster than you think. Um, I think, you know, obviously we could talk about it at another date, but I think that um, even doing something for two, three weeks, if someone wants to try something and see how their body reacts to it, I think, I think it would be helpful. Um, but to your point, MDV, yeah, I'm not... 
I'm definitely not encouraging. I guess for me, everybody's different. And I know that I have an allergy to dairy and eggs. I know that. I, I And I also have some gluten intolerance. So like, or, or, you know, whatever sensitivity. So, but when I choose to eat those foods, I know what I'm getting myself into, but you didn't realize like just how crummy I was feeling like on a regular basis, like not optimized until I removed all these things and really focused on the fruit and the meat. The fruit in particular was something that really helped me um, that I was not eating before at all. I would have almost zero fruit on a, on a monthly basis. I, I uh, maybe, maybe an apple here and there. And um, so adding in the fruit was definitely beneficial for me. And so um, that's something I'm going to take with me and uh, try and optimize. I mean, other things I'm doing, like you guys know it, right? Like I got my blood work. I, I you know, obviously MDV, you just got your blood work back too. Um, my blood work was really good, um, but I took it two weeks into eating just meat and fruit. So now I'm going to wait and uh, take it again, like a, a, like a month or two from now. And I'm going to compare those two numbers and I'll, I'll keep you guys posted on what they look like. One of the things that is really interesting whenever you're doing anything like this is like um, while you're in the challenge, oftentimes it feels like it's slogging along slowly. Like you'll get the, the first five, 10 days or so usually fly by because you have this hyper motivation. You're like, everything's organized. You got your fucking shit all, you get checklists going and all this kind of stuff. Then you get to day 20 or 25 and you're like, all right, I'm getting a little tired here through the middle and a little bored and it starts to slow down. This, I, I, man, I reflect on this a lot because I'll always look back and go, and what if I just buckled down for the last week or two weeks or whatever, you know, it, in hindsight, the time flies by, but while you're in it, it feels like it's going to take forever. And my encouragement to anybody who's listening is like, just be in love with the process while you're doing these things, like embrace them and enjoy them while they're going on, because you're going to look back and you're going, you're going to go man, what if I just gave it a little bit more over 40 days? It wasn't really that much time. It was, it was what, uh, X number percent of my whole year. Could I have just done it and stayed true? Hey, dude, you know what? That's a good analogy. It's days are long and years are short. And they use that analogy for kids. And it could not be more relevant to children. I mean, there's days with kids where you're like, dude, this is a wreck. And then next thing you know, they're you know, like my kids are almost 11 and eight. I mean, it just flies by. So days are long, years are short. It's a good way to think about the challenge, right? Where when you're in it, it does pass by quicker once you're, once you kind of in hindsight at the moment, though, it's tough. Yeah. Um, well, guys, I think, uh, look, we talked about the open. I definitely think from a, from an EOE 40 perspective, there's a lot of lessons learned. I'm looking forward to doing it again next year or whenever we're going to do it again. Um, and I think that, uh, I think that we're, I think we're on to something there just because of, of what it could share with people that they can get something that everybody could take away something from the challenge. Um, any kind of closing things before we, uh, kind of head off and, and go do some other meetings. Man, I mean, I, I, I don't really have anything. Um, but I, I, I did want to thank everyone that stuck through the 40 days. Um, Ooh, like yeah. I said, I, I took a lot from it. Um, and I'm looking forward to doing it again and figuring out how I can tinker what things I did to really make it a challenge again. And I, you know, really encourage people that did the 40 days or even people that fell short to kind of really assess what it is that would have the most bang for their buck if they continued. And obviously you don't have to continue doing everything that you did perfectly for 40 days, 
but just figure out the one thing and really focus on that because I think that that's how you can really build some momentum moving forward. And I can't wait to do it again. Yeah. I guess the final thought for me today, man, is like the, um, the falling in love with the process. And I was talking to someone earlier this morning about this, not being so hung up on the specificity of a single goal. If you have a single goal and it's very specific, yes, I want you to work towards that thing, work towards that goal. But for a lot of people, like, you know, if you, if you constantly are relying on this carrot at the end of the stick, this thing, I got to lose 10 pounds. And once I get to 10 pounds, I'll be happy. Or I got to run my mile in X time. And once I run my mile in X time, I'll be happy. Usually what happens is it's the same thing with money. I want to make X number of dollars per year. And once I make X number of dollars per year, I'll be happy. Usually you get to that point and you ultimately go, oh, I want to make more money. I want to run a faster mile. I want to lose more weight. So falling in love with the process becomes really important and integrating this stuff into your lifestyle, especially health, wellness, and nutrition, and making sure that it's part of the fabric of your being. And you're doing these things because it optimizes your life in a way that makes you look your best, feel your best, and perform your best and have a positive attitude, a positive outlook. And not being so wrapped around the axle all the time about the singular result process. I like that MDV game. Uh, yeah, guys, I'm, I'm look. I'm excited. Our new app, the NC Fit app, uh, got a facelift. If you have not checked it out, it is. It's like the most beautiful thing. I mean, aside from like my kids and everything else, but it is a beautiful app, and you guys will love it. It has phenomenal, phenomenal workouts that are curated by our team tested in our gyms and, and just something that I do every single day. I know that our team here does them every single day. So if you haven't checked it out, make sure you check it out. It's on iOS. It's underneath the NC fit app. And if you've been using the app and you're loving it, leave us a rating, leave us a review on there. It would really help us out. And if you're a gym owner, you're a coach and you haven't checked out the NC fit collective, that's our session plans and programming. It is industry leading. There's no question about that. And if you haven't at least tried it, you definitely should. On behalf of uh, myself, everybody here at NC Fit, MDV, Gabe, want to thank you guys for listening, checking it in, and I hope you and your families have a phenomenal day. Let's keep getting after it. Hell yeah, let's go.